0: Hey there, Wedding Pro. Are you using AI to its fullest potential in your business yet? Or have you been experimenting with ChatGPT with mixed results? I get it, and I figured out the hacks to get AI to help Wedding Pros elevate your brand, streamline your content creation, and more. And we're sharing it in our AI-powered Brand Voice Mastery for Wedding Pros guide, located in the Planner's Vault shop. This guide is filled with prompts, insights, and expert guidance on how to use AI quickly, powerfully, and accurately for your business needs. Whether you want to inject more personality into your copy or create more engaging social media content or communicate your unique value proposition more effectively, this guide is your key to unlocking the full potential of AI in your business journey. Grab your copy now at theplannersvault.com forward shop or click the link in the show notes. Okay, friends, let's start the show. You're listening to episode 30 of the Weddings for Real podcast. I'm your host, Megan Gilligan, and on today's show, we talked to a guy who's going to tell you why you're not selling more as a wedding vendor. But first, let's get to our review of the week. We've had so many Insta story mentions this week, and we love to see those. We'll keep sharing those as we see them, and thank you for those. They truly make my week. But for the review of the week, we go back to Apple Podcast, where Eliana NNS writes, really enjoying this podcast. Definitely recommend to listen if you're a wedding vendor. Looking forward to new episodes. Thanks, Eliana, and we appreciate you listening to the podcast. And just a quick note, we have two wedding vendor seminars to announce. On Monday, October 22nd, Jason and I will be back at the Umstead Hotel in Cary, North Carolina for Instagram, Millennials, and How to Market Your Wedding Business. That's a 9.30 a.m. brunch and learn. And you won't want to miss it if you're looking to figure out Instagram, SEO, and in general, how to market your business online. Last time, we put together mini audits for each vendor, and that seemed to be a favorite thing for all of our attendees. But be sure you're okay with coming to the seminar and seeing things like needs improvement on your report card. To sign up, you can click the Eventbrite link in the show notes, and you can even use the promo code WFR25 for $25 off your ticket. Also, We're doing something specific for planners. So if you're a planner, you won't want to miss the next session, which starts at 1 p.m. on the 22nd as well. And that session is called Planning for Success, Tips for Elevating Your Wedding Planning Business. For aspiring or new planners just starting out, find out some tips and tricks on managing the client experience, vendor relations, pricing, tools to use, and what you should be putting in your contracts. This seminar would have been great back when I was starting my business. The Eventbrite link is in the show notes, and that same WFR25 coupon code applies to this seminar as well. Thanks, and we hope to see you there.
1: Would I prefer that they would just get on the phone and call me. Would I prefer that every inquiry would just call and say, Alan, I'd like to find out about having you come and train my sales team? Yes, I would, but it doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's funny, I, I joke with people that I could have written the shortest book ever. It's called Why Don't They Call Me? And you would open it up and there would be three words, get over it.
0: Okay, let's get to today's show. Hey there, I'm Megan Gilligan, wedding planner over at A Southern Swire, business coach, wife, mom of three, and host of the Weddings for Real podcast. I've been in the wedding industry for over 10 years, and I've seen some things. I've seen feuding parents, dead cats as groomsmen, cakes fall over, and I've even kicked a bridesmaid out of a wedding just as she was about to walk down the aisle. On this podcast, I talk to fellow wedding vendors and get to hear some of their stories about this one-of-a-kind industry. On today's show, we have wedding industry sales guru, four-time book writer, certified speaking professional, and global speaking fellow, Alan Berg. If you've ever been to a wedding conference, you've probably seen Alan on stage talking about how you can get more sales. This guy is impressive and tireless. He's in hotels 150 nights a year, and he's spoken in 12 different countries. He even taught himself Spanish a few years ago, so now he can do his wedding sales presentations in Spanish. That global speaking fellow designation I mentioned, only 31 people in the world can call themselves that. Crazy, right? Today, Alan came on to talk in English about his new book, Why Don't They Call Me? Eight Tips for Converting Wedding and Event Inquiries into Sales. If you've ever wondered why your prospects aren't getting back to you after you call them, Alan will let you know why and he'll tell you what you can do about it. So, Alan started his wedding career by running a franchise of Wedding Pages, which was a publication of local wedding vendors. Eventually, that was bought out by The Knot, where Alan ended up working closely with founders Carly Roney and David Liu on growing local markets and educating local vendors on how they could sell more. Not just by being in The Knot, but by other means as well. And he truly wanted to establish partnerships with these vendors. So the education and partnerships grew rapidly, but when investors started having more of a say in the company, Alan was downsized and eventually made it over to WeddingWire.
1: Yes. So I I had a one-year non-compete, and uh, exactly a year when that was up, I signed a consulting agreement to WeddingWire. I write articles every month. I'm an education guru for them. I do uh, webinars every two to three months. I speak at WeddingWire World. There were four of them this year. I speak at local networking nights, and then I do behind the scenes things between uh, product development and uh, sales training, and things like that.
0: Even with all those responsibilities, plus his consulting, Alan somehow still has time to keep writing.
1: I wrote my first book, uh, I published my first book in 2011. Uh, yeah. I was writing it before that, but I published it in 2011. Uh, the, uh, <laughs> you want, you want a, a story on this one, since we were talking about the not before, yeah. i, I Briefly mentioned that I got downsized with a whole bunch of other people. I went into the New York office and I was in there for meetings, but I had brought a copy of my self published hardcover book, of which a thousand had been dropped in my garage on a forklift by a truck. (laughs) And my book had just come out. I decided not to publish a book through the not. I decided to publish it myself because it was my content. And I walked into David's office, and I showed him a copy of the book, signed to him and Carly, and he said, it looks great, and closed the book, and basically told me I don't work there anymore. Oh, no. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And it wasn't because of the book. It was because of the activist investors who had taken positions in the company and so on, but big downsizing. Uh, So I wrote the first book and published it in March of 2011. Uh, I published That was, if your website was an employee, would you fire it? Mm -hmm. I published Your Attitude for Success in December of 2011, so two of the same year. Mm -hmm. I did second editions of both of those in 2013. And then in 2016, I released Shut Up and Sell More Weddings and Events. And then this year, Why Don't They Call Me?
0: Well, I feel like Why Don't They Call Me is so amazingly timely to everything that's going on within, you know, across a lot of industries, but specifically, I know as a wedding planner within the wedding industry, the way that clients are reaching out to me, the way that the sales process is going. So I'm really excited to talk about your new book um, today. So let's let's jump in. Let's jump into that. So it. it's, Why don't they call me eight tips? What are these? I obviously don't want you to give all eight tips because I want people to buy your book. Yeah. <laughs> um, but
1: well, I can someone... give you the tips, but you don't have the, the subtext, so <laughs> it's, it's not going to help you.
0: Um,
1: yeah. and I, I could tell you the eight tips. The eight tips are very simple. If you want to get someone to reply back to you, if they've made an inquiry, this is what the gist of the book is, although it will teach you how to have better digital conversations in general. Uh, it, it's not just email. It's if they Facebook messenger you or if they text you or if they WhatsApp you or whatever. You need to, one, be conversational. Mm-hmm. You need to, two, reply as quickly as you can because yes. timing is important. Uh, the faster you reply, the higher the quality they imply of your business. And when you be conversational, which is number one, you just have to be your own true voice, which is hard because a lot of people can't write the way that they speak so you you get a very diluted version of their voice Mm -hmm. Uh, three is uh, you need to three and four you need to mirror their tone and mirror their energy their tone is their formality you know dear megan you know that's very formal as opposed to hey girlfriend you know know. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, and then their energy is uh, yes we would like to inquire about your services versus oh we're so excited and you know You have to listen for that kind of voice there. You get then into mirroring how much they write, which is number five. And mirroring how much they write is important because we have to mirror people. And if they're writing very long, we can write long. But if they're writing short, we have to write short. Number six is to not answer questions they haven't asked you because that's a basic rule of sales that I teach in Shut Up and Sell More. The reason it's called Shut Up and Sell More is because salespeople all the time just start spouting facts and things that the customer doesn't care about, and that's if they would just not, don't assume they need to know something and start answering questions they haven't asked.
0: That's interesting. Uh, yeah, I like that.
1: And then, but, but kind of 6A is you need to ask a question if you want to get them to reply. And this actually tip came from a friend of mine, Alan Katz, who's an officiant down in California. And he had mentioned that to me and I had my life bulb go off. And I said, yeah, of course, it makes so much sense. I do it. I just never really articulated it the way that he did. Mm-hmm. So it's a great tip. If you want someone to reply, ask a question. I expand upon that and call it, ask a low commitment question, one that they can answer right away without thinking too hard or that's giving away too much personal information. So mm-hmm. if you ask for a phone call, high commitment. You ask for an appointment, high commitment. You ask their budget, high commitment if you ask if they're having their reception their ceremony reception at the same location low commitment how many guests mm. commitment have you been here for a wedding before or have you seen you know seen me at, at a wedding low commitment so ask a low commitment question and you're likely to get a response as long as you number 5a was fitted on one screen of their smartphone so if your your first reply fits on one screen of their phone ends with a question you're more likely to get a response uh, and in the mastermind I did yesterday, the, one young lady got an inquiry. We talked about how to respond. She did a very short answer with one low commitment question. And uh, within an hour's time, she had already been back and forth three or four times with the bride.
0: Wow. Yeah. As
1: opposed to, I didn't get an answer until tomorrow, if ever. Right uh, number seven is not to use attachments. Uh, attachments are going to delay your response. Attachments add friction to the process. Attachments are not formatted for phones, which is one of the biggest reasons. But the really biggest reason why not an attachment is because you're going to delay them responding. They assume that they need to read that and they'll have all the information they need, and they can't read it on their phone, so then they don't get back to you right away. Mm-hmm. Uh, If somebody called you, you wouldn't say, "Uh, Alan, thank you for calling. I'm going to send you a a 12-page PDF right now. And then after you read that, if you're still interested, you can call (laughs) me back. You would never do that. Right. But that's the implication if you do it on an email. And number eight is to don't stop. Don't stop trying. Because if they've reached out to you, you need to try. I lay out a five-step process in the book but you need to you need to try more than once to get back to them because maybe they get your response maybe they don't maybe they get busy maybe they didn't like your first response uh, maybe the boss walked into the room and you know they couldn't respond right away so i have people doing it trying at least 5 times on every inquiry before they give up and yeah, very impor- very importantly times. that 5 times happens over the course of about 2 weeks Whereas when we do secret shopping in our business, my assistant and I, which means my assistant does secret shopping, (laughs) and when she does secret shopping, we find that people, if they reply at all, which is surprising that we would even have to think that, but it's so true. So many people don't even reply. It's true. They don't try again for a week or longer. And within two weeks, if you do it my way, you would have tried five times. Whereas a lot of people are trying once and then never again or twice and then never again. And the second time isn't for a week or two later. So if you want to have much better response and the feedback that I get from people is they have much, much better response when they do it my way. As a matter of fact, I went out, I was doing sales training in January for a venue group. And we secret shopped him beforehand with his permission. He paid us to do it. And we knew that his people were doing a copy-pasted email that they were personalizing and then adding a PDF. And uh, I taught him how to do it my way. And a month later, I saw him at a, a conference, the Cater Source conference. And he said, You know, my people hate you. <laughs> <laughs> I said, Why do your people hate me? He goes, Because it works. Oh, because, man. Because it's harder to do it my way because the, you can't just copy paste. You actually have to look at what they re- wrote, write a personal response. You can't attach a PDF and hide behind documents. You have to actually just have these conversations. And the conversion is so much better that, yes, it works, but it takes more of your work to do that. But the conversion is the result. The result is you're writing more business. So I said, listen, if it works and your people are writing more business, they can hate me all day long. I'm fine with that. I can live with that.
0: Yeah. Well, so okay, I have a question then with my business. You know, I've it's been sort of a cornerstone that when an inquiry comes in, we try to respond within 2 hours or less to that because I know and I think I remember you mentioning this on a podcast that I listened to you talk about when you were having electrical work done on your house that you reached out to three different companies and one you know didn't respond for a long period of time one the pricing whatever that story was, you talked about kind of your search for um, different vendors. And so I know that that is of course happening um, with my business as well. They're not just reaching out to me only and I want to be one of the first that gets back to them because again, just like you said, you're building that relationship, you're getting in front of them. Hopefully I'm stopping the search process if they're still in that search process because I've engaged with them pretty quickly. But I use an online Proposal and booking system. It's Honeybook, and Mm -hmm. they fill out the inquiry form. It comes to my phone. I have a template set up on the app where it personalizes their name. And I do go in, like if it says, you know, the venue, if they say they were referred by a past client or they use, you know, a lot of exclamation marks and are more warm and They've got that warm, fuzzy feel to them. I will go in and kind of tweak my email to them and warm it up a bit more. And if it's a little bit more formal, I'll tone it down. But do you think that that's an impediment to a business where you have to click a link? Because you mentioned attachment. So if it says, you know, so excited, thanks for reaching out. Here's a little bit about us. And Mm -hmm. then here's a link to packages and pricing. Is that as bad as an attachment?
1: I would not do that as your first reply because, once again, if they had called, what would you do? Uh, this is really the easiest thing for anybody to do is to think. If, if they had called you instead of emailed you, mm-hmm. would you do that same thing?
0: Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I guess what I would say is I would talk, I would ask questions, I would mm-hmm. engage with them Similar to the sales process when they're sitting in front of me, mirroring their level of of enthusiasm and personality. But I probably would say, I'd love to send you over packages for you to take a look at at your leisure. But I'm thinking I wouldn't
1: volunteer that. Yeah, I wouldn't volunteer it because you have some if you had somebody on the phone, Mm -hmm. your job is to have a conversation with them and move that move that forward. And if they say, could you give me pricing? There's four ways to handle pricing. I I outline them and shut up and sell more. I outline them again. And why don't they call me? Mm -hmm. There's four ways you can handle price because 88% of of couples are looking for price before they reach out to you. So you could tell them, you could not tell them, you could starting price or you could price range. My favorite being price range. But those are the four ways you could handle price. Sending them a price list is, again, going to delay the process because it's going to imply that everything they need to know is on that paper. And I've rarely, if ever, seen a price list that is going to do the job that you want it to do. It's a whole lot of what and not a lot of why. Yeah, yeah. Your job is not to sell them on what you do because they need it or they wouldn't have reached out. Your job is to sell them on why they should hire you to do it. And that is not on your price list.
0: That's true. Yeah, that's true. Interesting. Wow. And do you feel like, how do you recommend that vendors these days, just because there are so many different avenues that clients are reaching out, just like you said, it it could be, you know, we're getting inquiries through Instagram, through Facebook Messenger, through um, actual text messages, through email, through phone calls, it's hard to stay on top of it. It's hard to keep track of all of the different areas that they're coming from. And like you said, Part of it is the response time of getting back to them super quickly. Any tips yeah. there?
1: Well, again, if that Honeybook can help you with that because it's a CRM. Mm-hmm. So, whereas I'm not a fan of templated emails, I actually there was a guy in uh, Canada that was trying to get me to write templates and put my name on them and he would sell them with his system to do automatic responses. And I said, uh, no, <laughs> I, I don't believe in doing automatic responses. If someone made an inquiry, I believe in personal responses because if I was the customer, that's what I would want. If you're doing a bridal show list and you want to do automatic emails, a different story. Uh, although I could get into a whole presentation about that because there's four <laughs> different lists you'll have after bridal shows, not just one. <laughs> but uh, if you were the customer, and it just it's, make it simple. Megan, you, you, you're the customer. By the time you reach out and send someone an inquiry, you have done a lot of stuff that that company will not see. They won't see your research pro- process. They won't see how many sites you looked at. They won't see what you read, what you saw, what you what, – what, they won't see any of that, whether you went to a, a website or social media. They won't see any of that. All they'll see is the inquiry, and, and that's a problem because you, if you can't follow the breadcrumbs, you don't know what they've seen. So that person reaches out. They have put you on a short list at this point. Your job is to have a conversation. Your job is not to send them information, not to attach things, not to send them links, not to do copy-pasted, not to do automatic replies. If you were the customer, you want a person to take a personal interest in your needs. And that's what our customers want, too. And it doesn't matter whether it's my clients for speaking, consulting, training, website reviews, or whatever, or if it's clients for a wedding, or an event, or a quinceañera, or a mitzvah, or whatever. It doesn't matter. That customer, by the time they reach out, has already eliminated 90, probably 99% of their competitors, and you're on the short list, and you're going to blow it if you don't show them personal attention and you just treat them like everybody else. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, taking the time to look at the nuggets of information that they've put in that inquiry email. And then, like you said, reflecting back in the tone and the length and the enthusiasm, matching it so that they already feel that connection from you as as soon as you're sending back that email.
1: Right. If someone takes a personal attention, you're like, wow, that was quick. They got back to me quickly and, and, and it seems like they care. Uh, one of my clients did some secret shopping and found that 85% of their competitors started their email responses with congratulations on your recent engagement. And I've been saying for years not to do that because it's just going to sound like everybody else. And whereas it sounds pleasant, mm-hmm. it's nice the first one you get. But by the <laughs> fifth one, it's like, really? You guys all go to the same school? Is that all you know how to say? It's true. So. And and that's the thing is we all – we look at ourselves in a bubble and we don't take into account all these other factors. And that's what I try to point out in my books is have you looking at things a different way. Uh, And very simply, if we just put ourselves in their shoes – By the time you email somebody, you just want somebody to get back to you. And when you get an automatic response, like when I send an email about support and I get the automatic response back and it says, here, have you gone here and done this and done this and done this? Yeah, that's why I reached out to you. (laughs) (laughs) That, that That is why I reached out to you. Yes, I already did all that other stuff. Or sometimes it's like, no, I didn't. And I just want to talk to somebody. But if your website only had a phone number, I could have called you.
0: Let's take a quick break. Coming up, I ask Alan if vendors who have been around longer would have a tougher time adjusting to this system, and also what he thinks about vendor-to-vendor correspondence. But first, you've heard me mention them on the show already, but let me tell you again about HoneyBook. If you need help streamlining proposals and contracts, click on the HoneyBook link in the show notes and you can see what it's all about. There's a free trial, and if you sign up by clicking on that link, you'll get $200 off your first year. I've used it since 2015, and it's made the whole contract process super easy, even with invoicing and credit card processing. And if you're not using it, you're probably wasting time. If you have any questions at all about HoneyBook, shoot me an email to megan at weddingsforreal.com. Okay, let's get back to Alan. Do you feel that people within the industry that have built their business, um, that have been around for, let's say, 15, 20 years and have grown it to be successful, do you think that they may see more of a struggle with this because millennial clients they want that fast response they want they want to email they don't really want to talk on the phone but that's not the way that maybe some business owners have become accustomed to communicate and they want to talk on the phone they want to pick up the phone and build that relationship but that actually might be annoying to a client that has reached out via email or instagram or whatever it is
1: well, the reason the book's called Why Don't They Call Me is because <laughs> of that. Yeah. Um, 48% of couples surveyed express frustration if you don't reciprocate their chosen method of communication. Yeah. So when, And besides, I said it earlier, but it's a high commitment to action to ask someone to get on the phone when they've emailed you or mm-hmm. to come in for a, an appointment when they've emailed you. If they wanted to call you, they would have, called, have you. called you. Yeah. If they wanted an appointment, they would have emailed you and said, I would like to set up an appointment. But when they email you and they say, "Could you send me package and pricing information?", they're not ready yet to come in. Now the problem with that is that some people immediately ask for an appointment and get them sometimes, mm-hmm. and that fools them into thinking that it works all the time. But it doesn't. And if they go back and look at their stats, they're going to look at a lot of people that never responded, and they're, all, they're only taking into account. Well, listen, we're you know we're doing okay. Our calendar is getting bookings, doing it this way. So if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Well, just like that venue group that has people hate me, they're booking more appointments and making more sales because they're doing it my way.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I feel that same way, honestly, you know, when it comes to -to vendor-to-vendor correspondence, I would love to course. Yeah, you know, when I send an email to a vendor, I really would prefer that they don't call me. Um, I would prefer that they email me.
1: (laughs) Oh, and listen, I do B2B. So my clients are people like yourself, wedding and event professionals. Those are tend to be my clients. So if I get an inquiry and I happen to be sitting at my desk, which doesn't happen that often, but let's say I am, I might pick up the phone and try to call. I have to say that if I'm lucky, I'll get one out of three people mm-hmm. on the phone, maybe less. So I leave a quick message. I just got your inquiry in. I got really excited. Wanted, you know, wanted to talk to you about it. I figured I'd give it a shot and give you a call. I know how busy you must be. I'm sending you an email right now. Can't, you know, can't wait to connect. Yeah. And that's it. That's my message. I don't, I'm not saying, please call me back because I don't expect it. I can tell by the responses I get. I've had people that I never, ever get them on the phone. We've gone back and forth dozens of times. And I could just tell one young lady, she just, she wouldn't get on the phone with me. She wouldn't. I I could just tell every time we tried to push it that way because we had stuff to talk about and we end, I ended up speaking for her group in in her state and mm. we never talked on the phone because we had all of our conversations in email
0: wow what do you think about the tie in to communication and letting clients reach out and communicate with you in the way that they would prefer how do you feel that maybe these online calendar tools could help with that cuz i'm i've been looking at that for my business as far as Allowing people to either choose, they can they can fill out the inquiry form, they can reach out to me via email, they can go Facebook Messenger, they can go Instagram. or if they are a call person having the ability to have a calendar link where they can schedule an initial consultation call at their leisure, do you feel like that that's a good idea or a bad idea?
1: I think the more ways you give people to reach out to you, as long as you're paying attention to those technologies, I think is better. So on my website, I have, you can call me, you can send me an actual email, you can fill out my contact form, or you can text me. I saw and that, I use, yeah. Yeah, and I use ZipWhip for my texting, So Z-I-P-W-H-I-P. Um, so they're actually texting my office number, not my cell number. But I have an app on my cell and I can get them on desktop. People do have my cell number, which is fine, but I prefer the zip whip so that my website could have one phone number instead of having two because I always – I want you to reduce the friction in the, in, the, in the interaction. And when I look at a website and it has got a, an office line and a cell number and I've never done business with you, I always feel funny texting or calling the cell.
2: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But if
1: I encourage it on my website and I say text, then you know you can text me and you're not actually texting my cell phone. So there's only one number you need to remember. Mm -hmm. And I'll get the text, I'll get the phone call, whatever. So I don't have live chat, although I love live chat, but uh, my business is not conducive to it because I'm just not here. Facebook Messenger, I get inquiries uh, quite often. Uh, When I leave the country, I get WhatsApp conversations from people. The more ways they can contact you, the better. You just have to be paying attention. I send people Facebook Messenger, Facebook messages, and I never get a response. And they tell me, oh, I don't pay any attention to that. I said, well, what if a a bride or a groom reaches out to you through Facebook Messenger? You're not going to see it. If you have a Facebook page, you have to pay attention to that. That's true. Just put the Messenger app on your phone, and it'll alert you if you get a message. So uh, it's the way actually I cut down on my friends on Facebook. Once you hit 5,000, they cut you off. And I needed a way to take some people off my island (laughs) to make room (laughs) for the people that want to be friends with me now. Uh So I I couldn't figure out a way to do it. Uh, I was trying to figure out who was not engaged, who was not paying any attention. Um, And uh, what I determined is if I wish people happy birthday in a private message, uh, that's what I do. I don't put it on your wall. Facebook says it's your birthday. I wish you a happy birthday and a private message. And if I do that two years in a row and you don't acknowledge it, you don't have to write me a message. Just give me a thumbs up. Just, that's <laughs> it. just acknowledge that you saw it. And if you don't do that two years in a row, I'm going to vote you off my island.
0: There you because. go. You go back to do it the third year and you're like, nope. <laughs>
1: I actually don't even wait. I give you two weeks. If you're on a bender for your birthday, I'll give you two weeks to get out of it. But if you have not acknowledged it by two weeks and it's been two years, then you're off the island and I'm going to make room for somebody who wants to connect with me now.
2: That's
0: right. That's right. Well, any more nuggets of wisdom or tips that you want to share from the book?
1: Yeah. You know, I've been in the industry over 25 years. And in that 25 plus years, couples have gotten about five years older. What's happened in that 25 plus years is that, We have adapted. If we've done it, if we have successful businesses, it's because we've adapted to our customers. When I started selling wedding pages, I had a beeper, and I had a cell phone that I didn't want to use because it was so expensive, and I had a calling card that I had to dial one eight hundred ten ten whatever. You know, that's when I started, and and we we had a fax machine, and we had our contracts were four part carbonless, and you had to press hard to get through to the last copy, and you know. (laughs) And, and then you fast forward. I am a digital immigrant. Yep. I admit it. I am a digital immigrant. Now, I came along willingly because this di- digital immigrant is sitting here with his, um, uh, what do I have on my desk here? The uh, Mac mini. I have my MacBook Pro. I have my iPhone 7 Plus. I have my Apple Watch. I have my third iPad. Right? I came along willingly. I, yeah. I like technology but I'm adapting to the customer. And would I prefer that they would just get on the phone and call me? Would I prefer that every inquiry would just call and say, Alan, I'd like to find out about having you come and train my sales team. Yes, I would, but it doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it's funny. I I joke with people that I could have written the shortest book ever. It's called, why don't they call me? And you would open it up and there would be three words, get over it. (laughs) I love it. And, and that's what I would tell the people that have been in the business a long time because I've been in the business a long time. And I've, I've worked with wedding and event pros for a very long time. And my uh, my millennial audience members tell me how much they're getting out of what I'm talking about. And my baby boomers and Gen Xs tell me how much they're getting out of it. There's something there. And uh, I have hundreds and hundreds of testimonials and comments from people that these tips are working. And and that's it. You know, if, if, what do they say? If you always do what you've always done, you're always going to get what you always got.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And
1: if you're getting people not responding to you, even if you're getting good response from some people, if you're getting people that are making an inquiry and then not replying to you, that's your fault because right. you're not trying hard enough. You're not doing it the right ways. You're trying for high commitment to action. I mean, so all these different things, you know, in my 136 pages of book, Will take you very little time to read, or I can read it to you if you go on Audible, uh, or iTunes or Amazon. But it, it'll teach you how to do it differently. But you have to do it. That's it's the thing true. is, you have to you have to do it.
0: I spent time working for uh, Marriott before starting my business back in 2010, and I can relate to a lot of what you said about contracts that you would send and they would have to sign and fax it back to you. And, you know, scanning was even just not even happening back then. But now, you know, I really, I prefer that clients reach out to me. I I would rather that they not call in that with my schedule as an event planner, I feel like I'm constantly on the go. I'm in appointments. Every day is different. I'm not sitting in front of a desk waiting for someone to call me. And, you know, similar to you, in that for me, it just makes sense that if someone can email me, I get back to them super quick. I'm I'm an obsessive email checker. So I'm on top of it all the time. I think, you know, listening to what you Said, I think there's some changes that I could make in probably the correspondence side of what I'm doing. I have to buy your book and dig deeper <laughs> into that. <laughs> um,
1: anyway, but it, you know, again, the whole the whole thing is understanding that if we want to do business with someone, we have to do business the way they want to do business. Mm-hmm. And if you choose to not do business a certain way, in other words, if you don't get on the phone with me, I'm not going to do business with you. That's okay, as long as you understand that you are leaving money on the table from legitimate prospects. Uh, Just like I I told this group yesterday, just because someone emails you and says nothing but can you give me pricing and package info doesn't mean you can't book them and doesn't mean they won't buy your top package. They Mm -hmm. just don't know how to shop for what you do. So don't discount that inquiry because they didn't go into a long-winded description of what they want. They're still a good prospect. And we have to realize when you know, or what I like to say is, the, the problem is often in the mirror. <laughs> it's yeah, us. It's true. Um, and uh, I I understand it as well. But I don't try to force someone on the phone if they email me. I respond immediately through email. Like I said, I might try a phone call if I happen to be sitting at my desk. But if like right now, in the middle of the day, if you call a bride or a groom, they're at work. Mm-hmm. They're probably not going to answer their phone. They may not answer it anyway, but they're probably not going to answer their phone and just respond the way they reached out just have a real conversation with them and don't force it and don't dump data on them and don't send them attachments just talk
0: to them Yes. And from a vendor to vendor standpoint, you know, a lot of what you said is the same thing with planning a wedding with clients. My clients, when they've hired me and I'm doing all of the legwork for the vendors and the correspondence, if I'm reaching out to three different photographers and I know that all of them will do a great job. I've worked with them before, but I'm checking availability. If I have two that get back to me and say, yes, I'm available and here's where my current pricing is. And then the third one takes four days to get back to me. I've already sent the information onto my client and I've left you off because they're wanting to make decisions and move things along quicker. And I think that right. that's a an- A missing piece that vendors in the creative side of the industry, not everyone is on top of the quick response correspondence that you talk about.
1: And listen, I understand it's hard. I get it. It it is hard. You have other things to do. But if you are so busy that you can't do communication with clients, industry people who are trying to give you business or whatever, you need to get some help because you're losing money. Yes. And when people say, what it's going to cost me, well, uh, in a, my, I have an assistant. She doesn't respond to my correspondence. I'm able to do that. Mm-hmm. I put an out-of-office on when I'm not going to be around, only when I'm not going to be around, so that you actually know when I'm not going to be around and why I'm not going to be around and all and, and all that kind of stuff. And uh, I feel bad if I don't get to somebody the same day. Right. Uh, if I get back to them the next day, okay, because they, they're okay with that. But if it's more than that, I apologize. Mm-hmm. And people are like, gosh. It's only been two days. It's like, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. It's been two days. I, you know, I, unless you email me at ten o'clock at night, if you email me today, I want to try to get back to you today. Certainly by tomorrow. If I'm yes. out, like yesterday, I was. Not only was I doing a, a group training all day, but I was driving 150 miles home that night. So no, sure. I didn't respond.
2: <laughs> right.
1: People are okay with that because you know they they see where I am and they're like, no, that's cool. And it says, listen, if it's emergency which it's rarely an emergency. But if it's an emergency, uh, I say leave a message on my cell phone. I give my cell phone number, and you can leave me a message. And that never happens because it usually isn't an emergency.
0: Yeah. But yeah, you're right. I mean, I feel like I wish I could say that to several different vendors in my local market that, gosh, you know, I love working with you. I love the product or service that you provide. But when it comes to correspondence, when it takes two weeks to get a proposal back to share with my client after we've met, it's harder and harder to refer those vendors for business because my clients just they're not willing to wait like that is it's too long and they're, they see it as the vendor doesn't want the piece of business, doesn't want to work with them and and wants to move on to someone else.
1: Yep. And unfortunately that's, (laughs) you know, I think you need to say it to them. I I don't think it's a matter of, you know, I wish I could. I think if you're going to refer these people, you need to say to them, listen, I had business that you are, you did not get.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, you know
1: that's the case.
0: It's true. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much. Is what's next for you? When's your next speaking gig? Where can where can vendors hear you coming up?
1: I am uh, beginning of October. They can find me at a wedding photographers conference in Bangalore, India. Wow. <laughs> uh, then I will be in Dallas for Wedding Wire World. Uh, I'll be in London, England, for the Bride Lux Symposium. I'll be at the Better Bridal Organization in Orlando. It's a group of bridal shops. Awesome. That should take care of my October. Then there's Wedding MBA in November. Yes. Um, I'll be in uh, Ireland around the week of Thanksgiving in uh, November, speaking at uh, conferences over there. Very cool. Uh, what else is on my schedule here? <laughs> Mexico, Vancouver, British Columbia, Tampa, Las Vegas, Southern California. That should take me to the end of the year.
0: Wow. Well, thank you for carving out <laughs> some time today to talk about your new book and tell everyone, I know you mentioned it earlier, but tell everyone where they can find Why Won't They Call Me or Why Don't They Call Me.
1: If you are looking for the the limited edition hardcover version of that and you're in the United States, you can go to uh, getallensbooks.com, dot scom if you would prefer the Audible or the Kindle version, you can go to my Amazon page, and that's uh, at allenberg.guru, G-U-R-U, and that's a little shortcut to my Amazon page. Um, Perfect. But all of my books are at getallensbooks.com if you want the paperback. And they're all available on audio, they're all available on Kindle, y también disponible en español, they're also available in Spanish, except for the newest one, which I just got back the formatting of the Spanish version, we have to go check that, so it'll probably be another month or so, by the time this airs, yes, you should be able to uh, get that one in Spanish as well.
0: And before we finish the show, I couldn't let Alan slip away without putting him through the lightning round, so here we go. So um, these are just some fun questions for you that uh, is a way to get to know you a little bit more from the personal side. So, what's your most used emoji on your phone?
1: The uh, sunglasses face.
0: That's a good one. I use that one too.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's it's non offensive. It's 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 just a kind of happy and that <laughs> that that's the one. Um, other than with my wife, because that would involve parts
0: <laughs> and stuff. But, but um, I would say
1: I would say most the most used one other than. You know, with my wife would be definitely sure. my best.
0: What's the best piece of advice you've ever been given?
1: I it'd have to be in business. It would have to be to shut up, uh, which is again title of one of my books. But that's right. Was, I was just it, thinking <laughs> it was the best piece of advice I was I was ever given. If I think back on that, um, if I think personally, uh, there's there's so many. But I when I did Taekwondo, I, you know, my master telling us that we weren't seeking perfection, you know, you're just trying to be better than you were yesterday. Yeah. And that's a, that's a life lesson.
0: That is a life lesson. I'm still and then, working and on that myself.
1: And then the best piece of advice I give to people that I've learned is that I'd rather, in business and life, I'd rather be happy and successful than be right.
2: Yes.
0: Yeah.
1: And that's why I'm happily married and I have a successful business, because I don't need to be Right. Right. <laughs> I I wasn't I wasn't always this smart <laughs> about it but it takes takes time. It takes time to to learn that and and, and all of my married lady friends are like could could you uh, teach my husband that?
0: I was just thinking maybe that's another avenue of your business is uh husband consulting.
1: I I probably could. I have a lot of men that are very upset with me with um with my <laughs> husbanding skills. Say, listen, you, you know, you got to catch up. I've been married a long time. You got to catch up and you just got to learn this stuff and Yeah. Do you want to be happy and successful or do you want to be right?
0: How many years have you been married? 35. Wow. Congratulations.
1: My parents, 64.
0: Wow. Yep. So, so you've traveled all over the place. What's one place that you've never visited that's on your bucket list?
1: I'm finalizing some plans now to go to Australia next year and I'm hoping to go to New Zealand as well.
0: Oh, that's on my bucket list too. uh,
1: And I, I, I had made an offer to go in 2016, and uh, the company didn't accept it. And They just emailed me a week ago and said, hey, can we do that next year? Mm -hmm. So I'm uh, trying to finalize some plans on that. So that's definitely on the list, and looks like that one's going to happen. That's great. Uh, uh, I've never been to Italy. I would like to go.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: And then just a lot more, in my case, uh, Spanish-speaking countries, since I can have the conversation.
0: Oh, nice. That's awesome.
1: I taught myself starting about five or six years ago, and I've actually presented in Spanish in four countries now.
0: Wow, that's amazing! What a great like skill to decide that that was something you were going to add to your repertoire and be able to expand where you're speaking to.
1: I, I didn't do it to to speak uh, to present in Spanish. I did it to just have a conversation because I had a, wow. an epiphany. I was in Mexico and. Thought my high school Spanish would <laughs> get me somewhere, and it would get me absolutely nowhere. I didn't meet anyone named Maria. And nobody had a pencil to put on the table, so <laughs> it just didn't help me at all. Yeah. Uh, but what I did have an epiphany is that why is it that people come to the United States and we expect them to speak English, mm-hmm. and then we go to their country and expect them to speak English? It would be nice to be able to say, you know, hi, how are you? Nice to be meet you. Be able to
0: communicate
1: and just have a conversation more than a tourist. Yeah. And I did that, and I didn't feel like I was done, so I kept going. And then I did more, and I didn't feel like I was done, so I kept going. And then I, in January 2016, I committed to somebody in Mexico that I would present in September at her conference in Spanish. I don't know why. I don't know what came over <laughs> me, but I decided to do it. <laughs> I feeling confident? I, had time. I, I was feeling confident because on stage, I'm the only one talking. So I didn't right. have to understand anyone, and I could get help with questions if I needed it.
0: One more question. So I heard you on another podcast say that you can play music by sound. Uh, by ear. What's your yep. Or by ear, yes. Um, what's your favorite song to play?
1: I, I would say if I had to sit down at a piano and just play a song right now, uh, I tend to default to Georgia on my mind.
0: Mm, that's a great one. Classic. Yeah,
1: classic song. Um, if I sit there longer, I will play... Um, don't let the sun go down on me. Belt, John. Yeah.
0: Well, that made me think of just one more. So what's the best concert that you've ever seen?
1: Well, I, I have seen Billy Joe live at uh, Madison square garden.
0: Awesome. Back, I've seen back, him too.
1: Back, back in the, when he was first coming up. Wow. So um, my, we took my son, my younger son, when he was 16 to his first concert and it was at Madison square garden and it was cream the original lineup of cream Uh which is uh uh, eric clapton jack bruce and ginger baker
0: oh awesome thank you so much alan and you were great it was great to talk with you and hear you know a little bit more about the different sales process and how things are changing so thanks for the great insight
1: you're welcome thanks for inviting me let's do this again
0: Well, that with some great information for wedding vendors sometimes we all need to look in the mirror and figure out what we could be doing better and we all have to keep up with technology as well i say this all the time to my consulting clients and when i speak at seminars whatever social media you're doing you've got to commit to it otherwise you're going to lose clients thanks for coming on the show alan you'll find all the links to alan's books and his websites in the show notes And if you're a first-time listener of this podcast, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We're at Weddings For Real. Come check us out, interact, and give us some feedback. We would love to hear from you. And if you like this show, let us know. Emma, what should they do? Leave us a review. It really helps. This show was edited and produced by the guy who... You know what? I usually make a groaner joke here, but I have a serious note. On October 22nd, the producer of the show, my husband Jason, will be doing a seminar as well, a podcasting seminar on how to start up a branded podcast. There's more information in the show notes, but the basics of it are that it's going to be held at the Umstead from 5.30 to 7.30 p.m., and Jason will be teaming up with Javier Leva from Pretend Radio on this one. The same WFR25 coupon code applies, and if you're interested in podcasting or know someone who might be, be sure to sign up. And if you have questions, send him an email to jason at weddingsforreal.com. Next week on Weddings for Real, I sat down with one of my idols, a true hospitality industry icon, and I'm beyond excited to share our chat. See if you can figure out who this is. And the first person that emails me to megan at weddingsforreal.com with the correct guest. Well, I'm going to send you something special in the mail.
2: I literally hand them a gift that they open up and and inside this gift is a laminated card business card they can fit in their wallet that says uh now that i am a team member i understand that it's my responsibility to do anything within my power to make a guest experience great yeah and i told them like like for example if you are at a gas station and somebody sees you have a name tag on and they say oh my gosh my last meal there was terrible.'" you need to say, sir, please, or ma'am, let me get your, let me get your information because we want to make this right. And you know what, if they don't want to give it to you, guess what you have to do? (laughs) You get the license plate because we are going to find them and we're going to make it right. So do you all accept this responsibility?
0: Until then, I'm Megan Gilligan, and you've been listening to Weddings for Real.